Hey, hey, hey. We are back. Episode three of all time, third episode of the Double Tech Podcast. Sure enough, I'm your host, Ethan Reisinger, joined with me today by the one and only Trent Bally. He's back after a one-week hiatus, and uh, he's got a lot of electricity today. It's a, it's a Friday afternoon, more or less a Friday evening for wherever you're at. And um, there's a lot of business to tend to today. So, uh, Trent, I see a guitar behind you for folks that are watching. Are you going to play us a number today? Uh, no one wants to hear that. So, you know, I, I would I would love to grace everyone with the uh, that, that's an acoustic bass, which, by the way, is one of the I mean, I love it, but I would say it's one of the ugliest sounding instruments of all time, because it's like, you know, a bass guitar is deeper than a regular acoustic guitar that only has four strings on it. So then you add really? to that that it's it's got the sound hole and it's acoustic and it's just it, it it's like a giant ukulele basically it doesn't sound great really? it doesn't hold great tone but it's fun to play. I bet. Um, quick side story. So I played the clarinet in middle school band. You were good at it too. You know, I I might have been I might have been up to something. Some might say <laughs> second second chair all four years couldn't couldn't hang with the one and only Matthew Anderson. Matt, if you're listening out there, shout out. I uh, was an absolute beast. You, you yeah, couldn't, couldn't get over through. the hump. But you know what I did is I accepted my role. I accepted my role as a role player. I was going to take the second chair and I was going to do my thing. More or less, the story is I got the opportunity one day. You know, the band teachers came up to me and they're like, Ethan, you know, you got like a deeper voice. You know, you're doing pretty good at the clarinet. How would you be interested in playing the bass clarinet? And so I was like, I was like, for sure, I'll give it a try. Like switch up where I'm sitting in the room. Like it's a new instrument. Like how hard could it be? So one day they get me in the back room and they like give me the bass and they're like, here, like just see how you do. And so I start playing it. And when I tell you I was struggling, I was struggling, dude. And they like called me out and they're like, all right, here's your like, and I could have, I read sheet music fine. They're like, here's your, here's what you got to do. And they were just like long notes that required dude, it, so much lung. I was going to yeah. say, did it take more like breath control? To so get down much. To that and level? I just, I wasn't used to it. Wasn't used to it at all. So I did it for one day. And then I like, I remember I showed up to, I showed up to coach's office the next day and was like, Hey, I'm hanging up the Jersey. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to head back down to the minors in my wheelhouse back there with the, <laughs> with the regular clarinets. <laughs> give me, give me the regular clarinet. Give yeah, it back it was, to me. I want to be the, you're, you're the Scotty Pippen of the clarinet section. Yeah, I was short-lived, but I liked my role. Number two. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but you know what? It's I, I enjoyed it for the moment. Try new things for all you people listening out there. It's it's important to do that. See what you like. See what you don't like. Um, speaking of seeing what people like, seeing what people don't like, Trent, I had a question. You're in Tampa right now. Is it true or not true that the the migration of the elderly folk to Florida. Is that a thing? And do you notice that thing? Cause it's hard of the winter right now. Oh yeah. For most oh, people look, Ethan, it's in full swing, put it this way. So I got, I got a sports bar down the, down the road that I like to go to. Okay. And, um, starting this month, February, starting the other day, prices went up for just oh, everything, no. food, drinks, everything, because they know that it's quote unquote season. Now people, the snowbirds are coming down. My grandparents included. My grandparents live about a half hour south of me. They just got down here with their RV. They're in their RV park, and they'll be here till April. I mean, it's they like – They got out. They're, they're, they're the RV old couple. 
Yes, they drive That's the fire. RV down. They drive the rig down. They're doing that whole thing. So, yes, to answer your question, it is 100% a thing. You definitely notice it. I will say this, though. It's kind of nice because a lot of the people that come down are from the Midwest and, like, the East Coast. So when I'm out wearing my Michigan State gear, my Lions gear, I get a lot of, you know, head nods from, from the elderly folk. And it's it's always a fun little back and forth. Most of the totally. time, so, sometimes you touch a nerve that you're not really trying to touch, and then it's like, all right, I'm sorry, I didn't really understand that you you know you're a yeah. you're a, you're a Purdue fan and you hate Sparty. I'm sorry, but uh, nonetheless, man, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a thing down here. It is snowbird season, and it will be that way for another three months or so. Hey, well, hey, strap in and get ready because you got a storm <laughs> coming. Lock in. Um, speaking on that last point that you just made, though. Like, you know, people will say what you want about sports. It is one of the easiest ways, in my opinion, to enter a conversation. Yeah. And my girlfriend's called me out on this several times. But, like, if I'm out and about and I'll just, like, see a stranger wearing, like, any sports team, I'll just be like, hey, like, you brought up Purdue. I'd be like, hey, yo, boiler up. And, like, <laughs> like just, like, randomly to get them yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I remember – I used to serve at my church in Phoenix and I used to see a dude every Sunday in Vikings gear, Minnesota Vikings like shirt. And I used to always be like, Hey, yo, skull. And he would, <laughs> he would always be like skull. And I'm not dude. even a Vikings fan. I'm a Lions fan. So no, I, you know, I got what you, you it's, it's the old proverbial, like sports is a language. It, yeah. And it sounds, that sounds really ridiculous to say, but it is. I mean, if you see someone walking down with a Kansas Jayhawks shirt, I'll be like rock chalk, you know, exactly. It's always exactly. fun because I've had so people. I've that. had people say "go green" to me, and I say "go white," and then they're like, eh, "I'm not even a Spartan. I just like Izzo and all this." It's it's awesome. You gotta love this. Sports brings people together, man. For better or worse, sports yeah. does a lot of good. It does a lot of bad. But I'll tell you what. One thing is for sure: it brings people together. And when when we had COVID nineteen and we had the pandemic and the lockdown and quarantine. I don't think it's a coincidence that people felt more disconnected then than ever because there was no sports going on. But that's a whole hey. other side tangent. <laughs> There's probably a lot more that goes into that than just sports, though. Oh, probably. definitely. <laughs> but I'm, just, uh, no. I'm, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze the pandemic here for you. Right. There's I'm a correlation there. Does, is it causation or correlation? Who may, who knows? We can't scientifically deduce that. But Correlization. Um, correlization. I lived with a couple of buddies during that time of COVID during the beginning time when they started like canceling all the sports seasons. So for entertainment, we would search up marble races on YouTube. I and remember if you. Yeah. If, yeah. if you want to talk about degenerate activity, it was watching marble races and throwing money on it. So gamble responsibly, obviously, but um, I remember that was, when that was all the rage. And then I also remember like briefly when Korean baseball opened back up in May and that was like all the rage for a minute for like a month and a half. It was all Korean baseball. Yeah. We, they needed, but like you're saying, they needed a way to connect to other people. What, whatever the topic was, we needed something, you know? <laughs> so that's what we got. Yep. Um, I want to move conversations here. I want to ask another question, and, and it might be a controversial question, might not be a controversial question. Obviously, the Lions game happened this weekend. We're going to get to that when we get to it, but I want to talk about just sports in general here. This is a topic that I've heard a lot around the horn with lately. Is it okay or is it not okay to cry after a loss? Hmm. 
after um, not for the athletes for the fans yeah um you know I'm, I'm always to each their own express your emotions how you have to i think it's important to exercise your demons let your emotions out whatever i think it's good to be emotional especially men and young men you know a lot of times we feel like we have to be these tough guys no if it's something you care about and it's something that brings you genuine happiness when things are going right if things are going bad and you feel like crying, cry. I don't care. Now, it's up to you whether or not you want people to see you cry. Maybe you run to the bathroom and lock yourself in a stall and do that there. I don't know. But um, I got no problem with letting the emotions out and crying. What do you think? First of all, I want to say I'm glad that you just said what you said because obviously I have some I have some students that are a fan of the podcast. They're going to be listening, and I hope they're listening to that part that just happened because – it's nice, probably nice to hear it from another older male figure besides just me. Um, I agree, you know, express emotions how you want to. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to fully parallel along with what you said. I got no problem with it. Um, I just, I don't know if I am that emotionally invested enough to like, like let loose like that, but some people are. But uh, yeah, like I said, if that's where you stand, then, you know, have your way. So yeah, I'm, it's I'm to right each their own, you know, whatever's going to help you cope with the loss. Cause you know, we all care about sports to different degrees with different teams, different levels, all that stuff. Personally, I haven't cried after a loss in a very long time. I think it was the 2014 lions lost the Cowboys in the playoffs. Okay. That was the last time that I cried. I was a freshman in high school. I cried after a loss since then. I mean, I don't really, I've cried after wins. Because yeah, that's I'm what I was going to say. That's very different than crying yeah. after a win. Like, Oh yes. my gosh. Like, We've invested so much and we've finally gotten there. I think that makes more sense to cry after a win totally. because it's like the culmination of hard work. Like we're hard, like hard work for us as if we're the ones out there on the field, you know, on yeah. the court. But like it's an emotional toil for sure. You know what I'm saying? When, when the tears are falling after a win, it has a little bit of a different flavor. It's, yeah. it, you know, it's it's all it's all like like you said, you're pouring your emotions out like, oh, my gosh, we just did this. And we worked so hard to get to this point. And, you know, that's that's one thing. But then, you know, on the other hand, I think and this is just me personally as a fan, when when my teams lose, I'm more of a angry fan. You know, I'm yeah. not really a sad fan. Right. You, you go through the sadness and the grieving and everything. And I've done plenty of that this week with the Lions. <laughs> but it's more anger for me. I'm just kind of mm -hmm. I'm more I'm more like. I'm not really right. gonna cry. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I think that's the. I think that's more of the typical emotion, especially after it's a sports team. Right. I I have never seen somebody like really just be like sad, um, but angry for sure. Because you always are like wondering, you know, what what could have done better? What could like what could the coach have done? What could the players have done? And you know, dealing with those emotions. Are probably I use the term parallel. We're you know we're doing geometry and, and math right now. We're very are very paralleled with exactly how the fans of the Baltimore Ravens might be feeling right now. So I want to go ahead and get right into that game. Baltimore Ravens lost to the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend, ten to seventeen. I think twenty one points were scored in the first quarter of the game. And for the rest of the game, it was, or maybe the first half, for the rest of the game, it was pretty quiet, very defensive game. A lot to talk about here, but Trent, let's, I want to first focus on Lamar Jackson. Is he the problem in this game? Did he not show up? Was it the game plan overall? 
who's to blame and where are you pointing the proverbial finger if you had to? Um, Lamar definitely needs to shoulder some blame, but just like in any situation in life, you can never point the finger at one person and you can never give one person all the credit at the same time on the other end. So I would say largely this is on the coaching staff, John Harbaugh. They, I think Lamar only ran the ball six times. Now, would he have liked to run it more? Probably, but maybe that was by design. It was a low scoring game and the, the Ravens were trying to get ahead and pass the ball. Problem is Lamar is best suited when he's able to run. And I just think that was kind of the – it seemed like a game plan issue. I don't know how you felt, but when I was watching that, it certainly felt like Lamar wasn't able to cut it loose yeah. as much as he probably wanted to. So that's all – I would put most of it on the coaching staff, but Lamar definitely deserves some blame as well. I would – yeah, I 100% agree. I, I'm, I'm sitting watching this game, and I'm like, why are we calling so many passes? Because I, I think we were in the same boat where we both wanted the Ravens to win and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, we're kind of over yep. this whole Chiefs movement. But, like, I'm sitting in this game, and I'm like, this this isn't what they've been doing all year. And now they're here, and they're, like, relying on the pass. Versus, like, I think the running backs had, like, less than eight carries for the entirety of the game. I don't think Gus Edwards, Justice Hill combined had more than eight carries, which is a problem because usually those guys, you know, they average like four, four to five yards a carry, you know, and if you're ripping those off every other play, like you're adding up quick. Obviously, I do think Lamar is to blame some questionable throws for sure. Um, and I, I just like wonder how much he can do pre-play to like change the call. Because if I'm him and I'm like, and I'm like getting the call and it's a pass, I'm like, why are we passing the ball so much? But I don't I don't know how that I don't know how that exchange goes. So I would agree if it is the coaching staff that's making those calls, I think it's on the coaching staff. But if if it's in Lamar's power to switch the play and it is in Lamar's power to scramble, which he a thousand percent could have done more, I just think abandoning the run was not the play for them. Like we we knew that Lamar could throw the ball, but he's not a thrower at heart. And that was the problem. It seemed like a case of mistaken identity. And the Chiefs just fully took advantage of that. And a, a more veteran team, a better, a better coach, in my opinion. So they, they fully took advantage of that. The Ravens didn't make any halftime adjustments, it seemed. And, uh, yeah, do you feel bad, Trent? Do you feel bad for Zay Flowers? How do you feel about Zay Flowers? Or are you more along the Because I'll tell you right now, I'm along the lines of, he, like, this was bound to happen. He's a rookie. He ha- this is if, it, if this was going to happen to anybody on the football field, it was going to happen to him. He's not surrounded by veterans, you know, like some receivers are. Right. I would say the one veteran he is surrounded by, Odell Beckham Jr., maybe isn't the best influence on him. Uh, but I can't speak on that, neither here nor there. But, like, I remember when he got that, he's, like, standing over him, and I'm like, he better chill out right now. Like, and then he dropped the ball, and I was like, flag should be coming right about now. That's illegal. He can't. He can't can do that. Totally killed the drive, and then on top of that, fumbles in the end zone. What, what do you got to say for Zay Flowers, Trent? Well, and the fumble was – I think Sneed was the one who forced the fumble, who was who he just stood over. So, I mean, let that be a lesson to all of you people out there, whether you're a, you know, you're a child or a young adult or a senior citizen. Be a good person because karma will always come back to get you, even in something as silly as sports. As far as Zay Flowers goes, great young player. He's going to be a star. but. 
you got to keep your head. You got to keep your head in a game like that. It's the AFC Championship game. There's only four teams left. There's two teams left in your conference. You're playing for a Super Bowl berth. You got Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Andy Reid. You got them on the ropes. They're only scoring 17 points in this game. Like, you cannot afford those mistakes. And that was just a tough way to go. I, as far as his development, I think he'll be okay. But I think you bring up a very interesting point as far as the leadership and that Ravens wide receiver room. And we'll see if Odell's back. But um, Zay Flowers, you got to take the bull by the horns this offseason, man. A lot of work to do. Yeah, and then he proceeds to slam his hand on the bleachers. Yeah, not a, good up. not a good not look. Not a good look, but you can understand the frustration in the AFC where it's AFC championship championship game where it seems like nothing's going your way. Looking to the other side of the ball, though, the Kansas City Chiefs, man, sure enough, are here again. Once we once we really just ruled them out, at least I did in the regular season, saying they weren't the same anymore. You know, a few weeks later, we're back in the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are on the face of everything that's Super Bowl related. And uh, it seems like a little deja vu, you know, that Mahomes and Kelsey are back once again. A hot topic after this game, Trent, and even before the game, was the fact that Mahomes and the Chiefs get, and I say get in quotations if you're not watching the YouTube video and you're just listening, they get every call. And speaking on the referees and, and the way that the game was called, was there a way that the game was was leaned, in your opinion? Like, do you think the Chiefs got more calls? Do you think it was fairly called? Obviously, there was a couple roughing the passer penalties. Did you see anything that would lead you to believe that the script, which I mentioned last week, the script wants the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the script came true. Is there anything that would lead you to believe that the script is a real thing? Well, look, so anyone who thinks – there's a lot of layers to this, first of all. a lot of Anyone who thinks the NFL's fixed, I would disagree because the Cowboys losing to the Packers is not good for the NFL. You know, the, the honestly, the Ravens going to the Super Bowl would be almost just as big of a story as Mahomes winning a third Super Bowl because Lamar Jackson will now have two MVPs. He's about to win a second one. And him getting a ring would be just as big for the NFL as Mahomes getting his third. So for anyone who thinks it's fixed in that regard, I would say au contraire. However, I do think I do think whenever you're talking about a Chiefs game and you're pre, you're you're previewing it and making predictions, you have to bake in the fact that Mahomes just is inevitably going to get a call here or there, just like Rodgers did in his prime, just like Tom Brady did in his prime, and is that fair? Maybe not, but those guys have earned it. And you look at it, it's the same, you know, you can say the same in all of sports. LeBron gets a call here and there. Uh Joel right. Embiid gets a call here and there. It is what it is. The other night I think Purdue and Northwestern played an old school Big Ten basketball game, and the free throw disparity was like forty-three free throws for Purdue to like eight. For I'm not even I'm not making this up. It was it was insane, and that's because Purdue was the national player of the year in Zach Eady. So you're gonna see that across all sports, no matter what it is. You got to bake it in. But as far as that game particularly, I don't really think there was a bias. What do you think? No, I I completely agree. I think. I guess I didn't really think about it in that way where Mahomes kind of is just going to get calls because that's what kind of all the greats have gotten over the years, which lines up. It's logical. Um, I'm, you, you know, you watch the game and you just see these flags come out against the Ravens. And obviously you're going to have a reaction of like, here we go, of course. And then they show the replay. And if you're watching these replays and you're like, 
that's not a penalty. There's something wrong with with your rule analysis because they were trying to kill Patrick Mahomes. That was definitely part of their game plan. Their game plan was to hit him hard. Yeah, and they did. And I thought the ones that were called were, in fact, penalties. So I I am in the boat where I kind of see both sides a little bit, but I definitely think that they were valid calls most of the time, I would say. Uh, But that's, you know, that's the Chiefs and Ravens game. The Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. They've earned it. They have kind of went through this pile of mud of a regular season, fought their way back to where they're supposed to be, and there they are again. Transitioning into this next game. This game hits very close to home with me and Trent, and I think we've had a a, a week to digest. I'm going to let Trent drive a little bit on this one. I know he's a little bit more analytical when it comes to these games. So Trent, can you give us your perspective? Um, I don't know how I don't know how uh, anth- anthological you want to get with this analysis, but you you drive on this one. I'll comment here and there, I'll, and I'll follow up and close it up after you're finished. But you can go ahead and drive because I know you have probably a lot to say on this one. Well, okay. So our job here on the Double Tech, our job, quote unquote, is to bring unbiased, cogent analysis. So I will zoom out here. I'm not going to look at this as a Lions fan. If I look at these two teams before the season, the 49ers' expectation was to get to the NFC Championship game, which they did because they got there last year. And they believe that had Brock Purdy not gotten hurt very, very early in that game, they would have been going to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs, which, you know, as fate would have it, that's what we got this year. But if you remember last year, Brock Purdy gets hurt in the NFC Championship game very early. And, you know, the Eagles take advantage of some injury stuff. Eagles end up blowing out the 49ers going to the Super Bowl. The Lions' expectations this season were to win the NFC North and win a playoff game. Get a playoff game at Ford Field, win it, great. They end up winning two, so the expectations kind of reset themselves. So we go into this game, the NFC Championship game, and the Lions are seven-point dogs. So they're playing with house money from the first snap, like from kickoff. And I was really impressed with how the Lions played in the first half, of course. They ran it down the Niners' throat. I mean, the Niners had no... No solution for Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, Sam Laporta had a drive or two where he was just unstoppable. Amon Ross St. Brown was a little invisible in the second half, but I don't really think it was his fault. I think it was more just the scheming. The Lions just kind of fell apart, man. And I don't mean to make excuses for them. I just, I do think the 49ers were seven point favorites for a reason. Not mm-hmm. saying Vegas is the, the, the do all end all, all that stuff, but they were definitely the better team. And they won the game. Lions covered, but a horrific second half from the Lions from the top down. I think Kyle Shanahan really outcoached Dan Campbell in the second half. I don't really disagree with the coaching decisions that Dan Campbell made in the third and fourth quarter that everyone seems to disagree with. We can talk about that another time maybe. But you got to tip your cap to the Niners. They run deep. They're the better team. They have the better defense. And all in all, they just were – that home crowd got back into it. They gave them a reason to believe. And the Lions – there's no reason to hang your head about this one. Like I said, I think the expectation before the season, the Lions were only supposed to, says Vegas, win nine and a half games this year. So, you know, to win 12 and then 14 if you count the playoffs, I call that a success. But tip your cap to the Niners for sure. Definitely. I think the Lions were definitely in a position where they had nothing to lose, really. 
they essentially won the season by making it to the NFC championship. Yep. Um, so I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And I like, to be honest, like I thought for that first half, they might've looked like the best team in the league, to be honest, the way that they were just trouncing the 49ers and running it all over the field. And then, you know, doing their thing. They, they, there was a moment in time where I believed that we were the best team in the league and I, I wasn't going to jinx it. I wasn't going to get my hopes up too much. Um, the second half came, the bricks fell apart, and uh, the the big, but the Trent, the biggest parts of that game that I feel like need to be talked about is what happened in the second half. And for the folks that are listening right now, I gotta I gotta give Trent some leeway here. From where we're from, Trent is like the token Lions fan. Like everybody always, I'm sure Trent has had a week of having to talk about his opinion on this game. So I'm not gonna like poke too much. But uh, he, he, I'm sure he's had a lot. He's long-winded, some might say, about this Lions game. So I'll kind of take what I thought of the second half. You can tell me if your opinions lined up or didn't line up. So the question on the table, should the Lions have gone for it? If I'm in that coaching position, I would take the field goal. But that's me. That ain't Dan Campbell. That's me. Okay, if I am somebody who's a little bit more conservative, but we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's identity is I'm going to go for it, and I don't really care on fourth down where we're at on the field. If it's like fourth and less than four, it's going up. And sure enough, that's what happened. My qualm here, and then this is – this is what I have heard all week in Nebraska. So I'm like the token Lions fan here where in my area. And I hear a lot of casuals out there that always say, you know, they just should have took the three points. Like, what are they doing? It, and it's, yeah, they're blowing smoke in a, in a way. And I see where they're coming from. That's the, it's the right play in most cases. But like real ones that are watching the game are going to see that like the first one should have been caught. It was right to him. And I, and we're going to get more into that later. But a lot of these fourth down plays are good calls. I think the second one in the fourth quarter, as soon as that ball was snapped and Jared Goff had to roll out, I kind of knew that this one probably wasn't going to go our way. But I they're, they're like, what are they, 17 for 22 going for it on fourth down and fourth or three or short. It's a yeah. high percentage. Badgley's like, eight, what is he, eight for 20? Like on 40-plus yes, yard Badgley, field goals. Michael Badgley joined the team midseason as well. He hasn't been the kicker all year. So that's important to note as well. Yeah, so you don't have that trust built. Historically, he's not a great distance kicker. So there's a lot to weigh in. And people that just say, like, you know, fire Dan Campbell, like, analytics are BS. It, it, it is, Trent. I, I agree. It's, all, it's a lot of talk. Obviously, hindsight is 100%. So we can sit here and look back and be like, oh, yeah, we could have had three points. And I see it. But, like, if they would have got that fourth down, I don't think we would be having that conversation, to be honest. So that's my take on it. Okay, that makes me feel good because I know – yeah, I know you've had to talk about this a lot. So I'm glad that I could could kind of echo what you've been saying and kind of give it to the people firsthand. I want to know, Trent, I got two questions on this game. One question – what was the time in the game where you were like, okay, 
things are really turning around right now and they're not going our way. Yeah, that had was to there be a the specific gift. moment. That had to be the Jameer Gibbs fumble because that was that was your moment to because it was on the for one it was on the first play of that drive after the Niners had cut it to was it ten or was it seven I don't even remember but either way things were already in the process of unraveling and you're like okay let's weather the storm here let's put together a nice touchdown drive which they had done already three four times in the first half let's just stay above water here. And they fumble on the first play of that drive. And that was definitely the moment where it felt like things were starting to unravel. The moment where I thought things were over was when Josh Reynolds dropped the second first down on a, Mm. I I think, I think it was on like a second down play. It wasn't the be all end all, but it just, that's when you knew at that point, it's like, man, just this ain't going well, chief. This this ain't like, I don't think this is one's holding up, but that's all. That's that's my moment too. And I think so I think how it went was the second half opened up, San Francisco receives. They punt, I believe. They punt or do I they think get they a kicked a, didn't they kick a field goal? They got a field goal, I think. Okay, so if they get the field goal, the Lions drive down methodically. And that's when they the missed their down. first they missed the first fourth down. Yes. Yeah, thanks, Josh Reynolds. And then that's when San Fran drives down with East. When did the Ayuk catch happen? Was that on that one? That happened on that drive, yes. The oh. drive that cut it to seven, yes. So that happened. The IU catch, then the touchdown, then the Gibbs fumble. That's like a span of like six minutes where all of that happens. And like you got it. like, okay, obviously unbiased take, but let's just talk about the fact that we're Lions fans here. As Lions fans, we have gone this whole season like when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And it's almost like it was all front loaded onto this one six minute stretch where it was like anything that could possibly go wrong. Let's talk about Isaac Newton. Anything that could happen will happen. And it did happen at that moment. So a lot of frustrations there. Trent, that's my first question. Second question. I want to talk about the future of Jared Goff as a quarterback. Do you think he has earned a position to have some tenure in Detroit? Or do you think we need to make a change? Obviously, we've heard Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson are both sticking with the camp here, which I think is fantastic news. I think that's huge um, for the program. But specifically, Jared Goff, what do you think about his future as a Detroit Lion? So I think to answer this question, you have to zoom out for a second. And I know I say that a lot, but this seriously, like when Jared Goff came to Detroit, it wasn't because the Lions wanted him. It was because they were trading Stafford. They wanted the two first round picks and the Rams had to throw in Jared Goff to make the money work. It's all about working the cap. So Jared Goff comes in here and, you know, you kind of line up his tenure with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. It's been the three of them kind of spearheading this whole thing. And decent first year. Really solid second year, great third year. So if we're following the trends there, E, you got to extend them. And if you look at what the market is going for quarterbacks, I mean, like, I think Jared Goff is absolutely worth the 42 to 45 million a year that he's going to get. That's Dak Prescott makes that much. Why shouldn't Jared Goff make that much? Why, yeah. why, why, what, what makes Dak Prescott? on a higher pedestal than Jared Goff when Jared Goff just won two playoff games for a franchise that had only won one before that in the Super Bowl era. So, and again, it's a team game. I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like it's, I'm not a quarterback wins guy. I don't really judge quarterbacks on 
you know, how much their team wins per se. It's right. more about the performance, but you got to put it all together. And he was the quarterback of one of the best offenses in the league that had a 17 point lead in the NFC championship game for crying out loud. So yes, I look at golf and I say, that's the guy for the future. Maybe you don't give him a five-year deal. Maybe you make it three or four years. Um, right. And there are ways to manipulate all that, but that's all down the road. Kick the can down the road. Give him the money. Why wouldn't you right now? You got to strike while the iron's hot. You just won 12 games. You won the NFC North. You're going to roll into next season. I would assume Vegas would have the Lions at 10 and a half wins for the over-under for next season. I'll take the over. So I like golf. I think you, you... – <laughs> I will, in fact, I, take the over. <laughs> I had to slip that in there. But I don't know. What, I'm curious yeah. what your thoughts are, though, because obviously I'm in the thick of it and I'm pretty biased in this in this sense. But Jared Goff's earned it, man, in my opinion. No, totally. He's I he's I think he's Detroit's quarterback going forward. The only reason why I ask is, you know, you hear rumblings, you know, you hear whispers in the wind of like Jalen Hurts possibly becoming available if they're keeping Nick Sirianni right. and that relationship not going. So I'm wondering if the Lions are like, is that somebody I need to go after? Do we want more of a mobile quarterback to fit this running offense? I don't know. But I think, like you said, Jared Goff's been doing wonders for this team, for the city, for the organization. And I don't really see why we would leave it off on that note. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we give it a, a couple more years to make a run. The last thing I'll say is this. It's hard to win in this league. This team just put together a great season. You have to run it back with the same core. And last but not least, Ethan, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm not saying I, – I know that it kind of unraveled at the end. Golf was not the reason. Golf had a tremendous playoff run. He didn't turn the ball over once in three games. Uh, his passer rating was incredible. I mean, he was making the plays he had to make. He's kind of a glorified game manager. But in this offense, the Lions run with the two-headed monster with Gibbs and Montgomery and that great O-line up front. It works. Not to mention the fact that your rookie – tight end is already he walked into the nfl and it's like a top three tight end in sam laporta so run it back that's all i gotta say yeah so lions run it back <laughs> after that totally non-biased last 10 minutes the 49ers <laughs> did in fact win that game and are going to the super bowl brock purdy leads the comeback a couple things that go their way a couple things happen to obviously Make make sure that they're in the driver's seat. Christian McCaffrey scores a couple touchdowns. Kittle not really involved as much. Now, for those of you listening, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl preview next week. But we wanted to keep this episode pretty um, away from that as we wanted to do our best at recapping the games that did happen. The What are they called? The, the, the championship games, obviously. So we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. But... Um, to give my take on the 49ers, I am not sure if they're fraudulent or not. I'm not sure. I don't know how sold I am on them being this great roster with these amazing pieces. I'm not sure how I feel about Shanahan, to be completely honest. Just watching what I watched, even in the Green Bay game, I just felt like both of the losing teams lost versus the 49ers winning those games. So I don't know how sold I am on them. Do you have anything to say on that? Or are you kind of like, these guys are the truth. These guys should do fine. Very rarely in any American sport does a team just rip through the playoffs or the tournament if you're talking March Madness or anything like that. You have to get a little lucky. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. 
I mean, if you remember the Chiefs last year, they Mahomes' second Super Bowl last season or his second win. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl on they, – they basically were gifted a field goal, a game-winning field goal on a penalty from the Bengals' offensive lineman, if you remember that play mm. where he pushed the – or it might have been a linebacker. I don't really remember what happened, but he pushed the guy, like, out of bounds. Bottom yeah. line is it came down to that. And it's like, dude, we could be talking right now about Joe Burrow maybe going to another Super Bowl or something like that or him defending the crown. And so, so it's just – it comes down to these little things. LeBron James, I think, is the greatest basketball player ever. We don't have to talk about that right now. Ray Allen doesn't hit that shot in game six against the Spurs. LeBron only has three championships, not four. So there are plenty of examples of teams getting lucky here or there. So as far as the Niners being fraudulent, I don't really want to say they're fraudulent. I think the question's more about the consistency. They lost three games in a three games in a row earlier this season, right? And I know Debo Samuel was hurt during that time, so you got to factor that in. But they got a little lucky against the Packers, and they had a great second half against the Lions. And now they're two-point favorites, as we sit today, in the Super Bowl. So I, I'll, I'll give them credit. But, Ethan, I do think there's something to be said of what, what you're implying, which I want you to expand on, which is I don't really know if I trust them a whole lot. I don't know if I trust Brock Purdy a whole lot, who's never been right. in the spot. And Shanahan has, and he's choked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like to expand a little bit more, I guess you hear like like you said in like 15 minutes ago is that the 49ers expectation was that they were going to be here in the Super Bowl. They are. But was it in the prettiest of fashions? No. And I guess as a fan and as as somebody who like would be a third party like NFL watcher, if I'm watching this game. I would have no clue that the 49ers were like the NFC favorite, like watching them against the Packers, watching them against the Lions. If I don't know anything about the NFL, I'm watching this like, oh, why are they in the playoffs in the first place? You know? So I guess in that way, I'm like, I'm not sold on this like total domineering skill level over the rest of the league that they should be having. And by the way, I agree with you because if you watch any of the talking head shows and listen to the local sports talk radio, they talk about the Niners like they're some juggernaut. And I know that they have a lot of firepower, but I'm a complete, I'm a hundred percent with you. They haven't exactly looked extremely impressive throughout their playoff run thus far. And that's all. Yeah. And I think I made this comment a couple episodes ago, but like a team is defined by their ability to win ugly games. And they've done that twice in a row. They so I'll, I'll give them their flowers for that, for sure. But I'm, I'm just I'm I'm going to be interested to see what happens in the Super Bowl because I, you know, you're playing some might call the goat now in Patrick yeah. Mahomes, and I I don't know is it too early to have the goat conversation? I think he's got to do a little bit more. But I seen a graphic this or I saw a graphic this past week about his playoff record, Patrick Mahomes versus Peyton Manning's, and. Looking pretty good for Mahomes right now. So is it too early to bring him into the GOAT conversation, Trent? I don't think so because, uh, again, I'm going to name drop LeBron again. I'm a huge LeBron fan. I will die on the LeBron James Hill. And my big principle there is I don't count championships as you – know, you don't just tally them up and then whoever has the most wins because, obviously, we all know it's the age old, oh, Bill Russell has 11. and ooh, yeah. We're not trying to do all that. And I know that Michael Jordan, when Michael Jordan retired, he 100% was the GOAT. But with new information, we're able to change our opinion. And we watched LeBron James come along, 
and put together a dominant two decades. He's still going. Hell, the guy's averaging 30 points a game at whatever. How old are how, He's almost 40. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there. Mahomes, he doesn't have the Super Bowls Brady has, but his cement's still drying. It's still yeah. wet. It ain't dry yet. His statue wasn't built yet. And I just, again, I'm not a huge Mahomes guy. Ethan, you know, I mean, in our fantasy yeah. football league, when, sure. when you and I went head-to-head in the finals, Mahomes is kind of the reason I lost the championship. So you mean I got the championship for this trophy pick. right here? <laughs> <laughs> so so rudely uh, and coincidentally in the shot here, for those of you listening, <laughs> me and Trent actually played in the fantasy football, the fantasy football championship, and I have the trophy displayed right here. Hey, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead on over to YouTube and type in the Double Tech Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Like. Tell me you like my uh, my trophy here and uh, maybe rub it in Trent's face a little bit. Trent, as you were saying. No, you're exactly right. Ethan beat me by three and a half tenths of a point, point three six or something like that. And a big reason was because Patrick Mahomes really underperformed. So my point is just that I am not a Mahomes guy. I'm simply just watching with my two eyeballs, and I see that he is probably the best football player I've ever watched. So I don't think it's too early to throw him in the GOAT conversation. I don't think it's all about accomplishments. I watch the guy play. I am more scared to death to play Patrick Mahomes if I'm a defensive coordinator than any other player in the history of this league. What say you, my friend? Dude, I I think we're like this right now. We're like this. We're running. We're running next to each other because I 100% agree. If I'm if I'm a coach and you're telling me that you know Joe Burrow's coming through to the championship, I'm like, yeah, you know he's a good quarterback. We'll tell me Mahomes is if yeah if you're if you're telling me Patrick Mahomes is going to be there for a chance to win another ring, I'm making yeah. some calls. I'm afraid. You know what we're I'm saying? Shaking. Yeah, we're we're shaking in our we're, boots. We're calling up Richard Sherman. We're we're trying to see what Richard Sherman is doing in retirement. How how's Nadamakong Su doing? We're calling all yeah. the ex Avengers. <laughs> we're getting Draymond Green over to the NFL <laughs> after his indefinite suspension from the NBA. Trent, do you have anything? Do you have anything more to say about the NFL, or can we kind of parlay over to our next topic? No, dude. I mean, it's been a it's been a tough week of coping with the Lions' loss, but all in all, I'm proud of my team. That's number one. Number two. I will say this is probably going to be a very, very good Super Bowl. And I hope for the sake of the football fan that it is a great Super Bowl because we deserve it. We got a great one last year. We got a, got a great one two years before that. Like, it, it's time to let the sparks fly, and it's the culmination of the season. It's been a great season. A lot of storylines. Yeah. So I'm just ready for a really classic Super Bowl, and I hope we get it. I hope it's not like 45-13 Chiefs or something like that. I hope we got oh, a really good game. And we'll talk about the game next week, but uh, pretty solid championship weekend all in all. Yeah, taking a moment for the NFL here to just acknowledge that it was, in fact, a great season. All in all, like you said, so many storylines, so many players just coming up out of nowhere, too. And just like, you know, Puka Nakua comes in mind. Like, who, yes, who was this exactly. guy? And now he's like, you know, in fantasy, maybe a top 15 pick next year. So something to look at. But, um, Moving on to the next topic here, we just got done talking about Patrick Mahomes in GOAT conversations. I want to stop on LeBron James for a second because there was a couple of things that I wanted to say, but you're moving pretty quick. First off, I want to say if anybody ever brings up a basketball argument that's like pre-1980, I don't acknowledge it because I think that's just invalid. 
if you can show me a clip, and I all I want is a clip. If you can show me a clip where it looks like there is competent basketball happening, I will stop arguing. But I have yet to see that. You know, they I just watched a clip of like the 1960. It, it was something like it was it was like Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, and they were like the All Star game. And I'm like, these what are these guys doing? They're not, they don't even know how to dribble. Like, what are we what what am I watching yeah. right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I'm just 100%. so I'm just. I'm like, okay, so anything pre-1980, I'm kind of over, okay? But let's focus on LeBron James for a second, and we're not going to talk about LeBron versus MJ. We're not going to talk about it, okay? But I want to talk about what's been happening lately is apparently there is some LeBron James trade rumors, and I don't know how active that is. I actually just read an article like before this podcast that his agent, Rich Paul, has like shut down trade rumors. But like all of this is because LeBron James freaking tweets this this post of an hourglass, some ambiguous emoji. Like, what is the point of that? And that this is okay. This is pre you're gonna hear me talk about this more later, but the the merging of sports and social media is really just ticking me off lately. It's really ticking me off, and I don't get it. Obviously, everyone has the right to practice freedom of speech. I'm not denying that. You should. But sometimes I'm like, what, what's the point of that? It's, what is it, the look, point? It's, it's terrible. I would chalk it up, Ethan, to LeBron. Just And I'm not condoning this because I agree. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's immature. I think it's stupid. It's unnecessary. It's drawing attention. It's look at me. And again, I'm the biggest LeBron fan in the world. But I'm just saying, like, I, this is a little bit too much. I think it's – I chalk it up to him just taking the high road. He's got to get his emotions out somehow. So why not just tweet a one-emoji tweet and just let everyone eat that up? Because you know they're going to. And, yeah. you know, I, LeBron's got an ego. I'm not going to act like he's the perfect golden boy, of course. He probably loves the fact that he's getting talked about. And you know what? Some of these rumors, people are saying, hey, LeBron could be a great fit with the Philadelphia 76ers next to Joel Embiid. And LeBron probably hears that and it's like, you know what? Maybe. Maybe, maybe I do get on the maybe horn. Maybe I see do what's go going to Philly. Here. So yeah, that's all. I, I, mean, I'm not, I don't think anything's going to happen, but I'm with you as far as, you know, the hypocrisy and the, 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 you know, it's just a little immature what he's doing. But it definitely, it's the biggest story in the NBA right now. Apparently LeBron James might be getting shopped. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I just I don't see it happening. I think it's all just blowing smoke. But, Let me um, ask you this, though, Ethan. If you could see him on what – so the teams that were mentioned in this article that I read or this, uh, you know, these rumors, it's the 76ers, the Heat, the Knicks, and the Mavericks. Which of those four teams would you want to see him on the most? Back to Miami, for sure. I think you bring him, I think you bring him back to Miami, and then on top of that, you bring back the white hot jerseys from 2016 <laughs> and we yeah. we make a resurgence of those jerseys because those were like my favorite jerseys of all time. I like remember playing with those in 2K16. Ooh, yes. so fresh, so fresh. Um, yep. I would say Miami though. I just, I can't see him on another team now. Like I either say go back to Miami or go back to Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? I would even like to see him back in Cleveland. You know, let me let me throw this at you. I agree, by the way. I think Miami would be the best fit because I think him next to Jimmy would just be filthy. It would be awesome. Right. You got, He's got Tyler there as a shooter yeah. on the wing. Yeah, it would be it would be great. But um, hear me out, though. 
not necessarily for a basketball fit because Jalen Brunson's balling out, but I want you to close your eyes and picture LeBron in a Knicks jersey. It would that I mean that would be, LeBron would look great in a Knicks jersey. And I'll tell you right now, if LeBron James resurrected the Knicks and led them to a finals and led them to a championship, and he officially won his fifth championship with his fourth team, everywhere he's been, he's won. He'd be the goat. Case closed. I think everyone would acknowledge. <laughs> Okay. Because he also, I mean, I mean, no, no disrespect to what Jalen Brunson's doing, but if LeBron walks into the, you know, he walks into the garden right now, he's the best player on the Knicks. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Now, if he goes to Philly, I think some people would say Embiid's a lot better, which I would agree. If he goes yeah. to Miami, I think people would still say it's Jimmy Butler's team. If he goes to New York and wins with the Knicks, who haven't won a title since 1973, I don't even know who was president in 1973, Ethan. That would be case closed. Can we at least acknowledge that? Yeah. I mean, so if we're opening this can of beans, his championship in LA, are we are we calling that a championship if it's in the bubble? I'm I, I don't beat the table either way. I get it. I, I get it why people think it's a little suspect, but I also don't think it's worth nothing because for right. every argument you could make that it's easier to win in the bubble, I think you could also come with a counterpoint that it was harder to win in the bubble. It just depends. It was it was all yeah. about personal stuff and yeah they got dealt a pretty good hand by playing butler in the heat they should have won that series in five i mean the heat mm -hmm. the lakers were way better than the heat that year the heat pretty much stole game five and then the lakers yeah. just pounded them in game six whatever what do you think on that real quick before i'll I move tell on, you this i know man, you got some takes on that if there's three things in this world that are for sure it's death taxes and a stephen a smith new york knicks rant and if LeBron signed with the Knicks or got traded, that whole rant or whatever he would post would be one of the best things I've ever seen. It so would be I would I would love to see that happen. I just don't know how much LeBron cares about his legacy at this point. I'm not really seeing anything to lead me to believe that he's like super passionate about winning another final. I think he kind of knows that like he's got he's got a family now he's comfortable like he's set for the rest of his life and his kids and probably his grandkids and probably their grandkids so i don't really know how much it matters to him if it did i can't see him leaving la i, I think he would want to play with Bronny in la and then call it a call it a retirement after that well also just to bring <laughs> this up i mean the, the reason this is so the timing of it is so weird is because, I mean, if it was going to happen, it would happen now because he would only have to spend half a season away from L.A. potentially. You know, this would be kind of a half-year rental, half-season yeah. rental, and then he would enter free agency and sign with whoever. But Bronny does play at USC, like you just brought up, and he's pretty much settled in there. He's been there since 2018. So, I mean, why shake the snow globe now? I don't know. But I just do – I do think it's interesting. You know, the trade deadline's not for a few more weeks. So – we might hear things heat up a little bit. It's not often that you get a player of LeBron's caliber that's like on the trade block. I mean, KD got traded to Phoenix last season. That was crazy when that happened. So imagine what would happen if LeBron got traded. Good for the city of Phoenix. I, I was there when that happened. The, the, the fan base of the Phoenix Suns is amazing, by the way. And um, when KD came, that place, I, I had the luxury of going to a few – Phoenix Phoenix Suns games when I lived there, that place was rocking. When K when KD showed up, that place was rocking, for sure. Saw the Pistons there get 
blown out really? by 30. Yep, blown Get out throttled. by 30. Yeah, it was it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe the double click podcast will see a day where we can talk about the Pistons actually making the play. In, but this year, this year ain't that year. Spoiler alert. Maybe maybe Bally Sports Detroit picks us up, and uh, we start <laughs> we start working for George Blaha and George Kessler, Greg Kessler. Please, oh, that'd be tight. Please, that'd be tight. They're getting Pick hey, they're up. getting old. They're getting old. We they can are. we could we can make a case. Dude, could you imagine you and I calling a Pistons game? We're like that would be awesome. Up. It's like the Pistons and the the Hornets are visiting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is, some like commentators they're getting old. Like, there's got to be some yeah. sort of replacement in talks. Bally Sports Detroit, if you're listening, you got a couple great candidates here. Somebody send them a link to this podcast, and let's give ourselves an honest chance, an honest shot at it. You know what I'm give saying? Give us one game. All we need is one game. one game. Give us one game, and we'll prove it. <laughs> one game. We're showing up to that game with Eminem, like Detroit rap, blaring in the car. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. We're getting off off task here, but that's okay. That's that's what this show calls for. Let's get into some throne room and doghouse. We got to talk about who's great, who's not so great this week. Um, if you don't mind, Trent, I'd like to start Go for by it. giving my crown this week. So we're starting with the throne room. I'm going to give my crown to the fans of the Kansas City Chiefs, not the team, the fans. Okay. I think specifically the fans have been kind of sticking with them from the get-go. I fortunately live in a live in an area where the Chiefs are the team to talk about. And all, all of the people that are Chiefs fans like knew from the get-go that like Kansas City was going to get there. So like this is obviously like a moment for those Chiefs fans where they've seen their beliefs and their thoughts come to fruition while the world thought otherwise. So this year, this week specifically, here you go, Chiefs fans. Here's your flowers. You did call it. We were wrong. Chiefs are them. They made it to the Super Bowl. So Chiefs get my – Chiefs fans. I want to be very specific. Not the team. Chiefs fans get my crown. That's a great answer because I, I uh, actually I talked to a diehard Chiefs fan the other night at the you know aforementioned sports bar I like to go to down the road, and I remember asking him, I'm like, "Are you from Kansas City?" He's like, "Yeah, born and raised. I'm from there." And I said, "It's got to kind of tick city, you off." Yeah, I was like, "It's got to tick you off that there's like so many Chiefs fans now, bandwagons who love Mahomes." He goes, "Dude." Is it a little irritating? Sure, but he said winning is so sweet and it doesn't matter. I'll take all yeah. the bandwagons that want to jump on. And honestly, Ethan, that's kind of how I felt about this season with the Lions, and that'll roll me into my crown. I'm giving it to Sheila Ford Hamp, the owner of the Detroit Lions. She took over two seasons ago, did what her mom and dad didn't have the courage to do, which was fire the coach and GM midseason. She hires Dan Campbell, hires Brad Holmes, and three years later, and trades Matthew Stafford also, by the way. And three years later, look where we're at. Um, it didn't end the way you wanted it to when you kind of reset your expectations and the Lions are up 17 at halftime against the Niners. But she deserves a heck of a lot of credit for turning this thing around in quick order because I'll tell you right now, you and me as Lions fans, and I know there's been a lot of Lions talk on this episode, but no one understands it more than we do. This is it, What she's doing is huge. And I know that there, she took a little flack for raising season ticket prices and all that. But, hey, winning cures all. And if the Lions continue to win, all is well in Detroit. So, Sheila, 
You deserve credit on a job well done. Two playoff wins in one season, one pride. E, you want to do the doghouse now? I do. Uh, let me preface, Sheila. We do love you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to. I I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm keeping. So I'm giving my collar. I'm giving the doghouse pick to a Detroit player, specific name Josh Reynolds. Oh, this is well deserved. Yeah, and this guy had to have been getting paid from the other team. Had to have. Because the drops that he was having were outrageous. The fourth down drop, like you said, the second down drop later. You know, did he or he didn't even catch. Okay, so I, the reason why I struggled with this is because I was like, oh, well, he caught the last touchdown that brought it close. But he didn't. I forgot it was Jameson Williams, the rookie. Yep. So Correct. did Josh Reynolds do anything for us? No. So actually, let me re- recant and say that he was well-deserving, <laughs> and I don't have second thoughts about it. Josh Reynolds <laughs> is in the doghouse. Figure it out and catch the ball when it matters the most. Please, Josh Reynolds. That's a good one. I could go on for minutes upon minutes upon minutes, and no one wants to hear that. So I will completely switch leagues, and I'm going to go way outside the box here. This might shake you. Doc Rivers. He gets the job back. (laughs) Doc Rivers. This this is a little tongue-in-cheek, but hey, this is a fun segment. We kind of had the liberty to have some fun with this segment. Doc Rivers. You're taking over for a team that's trying to win a championship and you lose your first game and like not in close fashion at all either. Figure it out, Doc. And, and I look, by the way, I, I, there are a lot of candidates for this, by the way. E, we can give it to Lamar. Yeah. We can give it to yeah. John Harbaugh. We could give it to Josh Allen from a couple weeks ago. I know I wasn't on Literally. last week, but yeah. like, like there's a lot of people you could throw this at. I think the leash for coaches these days is so short. I have no clue how they fired that Milwaukee coach. What the heck? And then just like randomly Doc Rivers, like if he's done anything the past eight years in the NBA, all I've seen him do is fail the process and then not win anything in the Clippers. Like he's done nothing. He won with the Celtics. Sure. You know, give him his five. That was like, but that's like 15, 20 years ago. Let's get over it. Okay. He, I think he has the record for the most blown 3-1 leads as a head coach. I think he's got like four of them. Yeah, and, it was an outrageous look, I, hire. I don't want this to be a message to the kids that are listening to this, but look, the coaches in the NBA, they don't do much. They really don't. Let this be a measuring stick. Giannis and Dame just want a coach that's going to keep everything smooth and let them play their game and do their thing. Doc Rivers isn't taking them to a height they haven't been to. Heck, they were a top three seed before they even fired said coach, whoever, whatever his name is. I, I Forgive me, I forget his name. But Doc coming in there isn't moving the needle. It's simply just appeasing Giannis and Dame. And that's kind of the league that we live in in the NBA is it's all about pleasing your stars. That's what they wanted. They didn't like the coach they had. Gosh, that's just so bad for the brand. But you're right. It's awful. It's bad for the brand, but you're so right. Um, well deserved. Uh, you could give it to you could give it to Milwaukee's leadership as well. Past Doc Rivers, just whatever the heck is going on. The NBA is poisonous, man. It's poisonous, and I'm not drinking from that cup, man. I'm not. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Let me lead that right into our double tech for the week. I got I got a take here. Double tech, we give a hot take, sports or not sports related. I have something that's kind of a little bit of both. I'm going to talk about sports and social media. Specifically, okay, so let me preface here. I got, I, I got a lot of different things that I want to say, and I want to say I think it's good that sports exists on social media, okay? I think nothing brightens my day more than, like, opening up, you know, I, I don't, I don't, like, Sometimes I'll delete Instagram for a couple months, re-download it, and like I love seeing like the highlights, you know, like oh so and so like hit a game winner. I love seeing the game winners. Okay, love it. But let me tell you something that I don't like seeing. I don't like seeing whoever posted this. It was an it was an NFL account, Sports Center, ESPN posted something along the lines of like Taylor Swift and the trip she would have to make from brazil to get to the yeah Yeah. tokyo what does this have to do with sports (laughs) what does this have to do with sports okay and but here's my take my take is you read the comments and you got everyone like this is such a whack post like what is sports center posting probably some choice words that i'm not gonna say but a lot of people are clearly unhappy with ESPN posting that. And my take is that will continue to happen if you continue to engage in the content, right? If you continue to go to the comments, if you continue to share it and be like, yo, what is this? ESPN doesn't care about how you feel. They just see that (laughs) this many people saw this post, this many people commented on it, this many people shared it. So you, by Acting like this is a disservice to the community and commenting on it, you are helping the cause. Yeah. So you're the we, problem. You are the problem. Yeah, if we don't like something on sports media, we can't engage. Don't engage, right? Retract, recant, stay seated, keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times, and <laughs> it will come to pass. It will come to pass. So I I just saw it, and I and I every time I see a dumb post like that, I'm always just like, the comments are just about to be. There's about to be a ton of them, and they're all going to be negative. And that's not doing anything. You're not helping the case. You're preaching to a choir, and the choir is like singing the fourth hymnal here, and the, the service just started. Like we're we're like getting the crowd into it. You know what I'm saying? But yes. that that's my that's my double tech this week, man. I got a bone to pick with people on social media uh, uh, endorsing these sports posts. You know what? That's a great take, Ethan. I will uh, I'll keep mine brief because mine's very simple and it's actually pretty salty and based in hatred. If my students are listening, they would I would tell them to rephrase hate into another word. Or phrase that we could use, but um, this is we're out of the classroom right now. I strongly dislike Purdue men's basketball, and it has nothing to do with the fact that they own my team because they don't. Michigan State and Purdue have had Michigan State's had way more success than Purdue has in our entire lifetime. Ethan, you and I were both born in 1999. You know how many elite eights Purdue has made in the last in our lifetime? Take a stab at it. I'm going to go two. 
two is correct, and one of yes. them was in 2000 when you and I were less than half a year old. So Purdue basketball, again, they're worthy of being the number two team in the country right now, which is where they're at. They're ranked number two. At what point are we going to stop pumping them up? I mean, the rankings are what they are, but as far as what people talk about, all anyone talks about is Zach Heady and how great he is and how scary Matt Painter is and how great this Purdue team matches up. Dude, at, what are we doing here? They haven't made a Final Four since 1980. They're good every year. I get it. But at what point are we yep. going to stop banging our head into the wall? And as someone who's a fan of the Big Ten, which hasn't had a national champion since 2000 when Michigan State won it, this is a conference that for 25 years has had a problem with getting over the hump. And we're championing and crowning Purdue? I'm sick of it. That's all I'm saying. I just I, I see it every week. Every week, you know, oh, Purdue, Zach Eady, Purdue with a gritty win. It's like, okay, great. They're going to be a one seed. Heck, they lost to the 16 last year. They're yes. going to lose this season before the Sweet 16, and everyone's going to be like, oh, we should have known. And I will, I will point <laughs> everyone back. I will direct them back to this exact episode of this show right here. Purdue basketball, until you prove me otherwise, I have exactly zero trust in you. And that's my <laughs> double tap for the week. Well-deserved, man. Just the fact that we give praise to teams that have done nothing to show for it and, like, when it matters the most, I totally agree. Like, why, why do we day after day talk about a team like, yeah, Purdue, yeah, but if they suck in March Madness – I want to double down on this because as a Lions fan, again, for more Lions talk, Ethan, what did we hear all season? Well, until they win a playoff game, until they won the division. Yeah. And you know what? That stuff is well-founded because the Lions hadn't won a whole lot of playoff games. They hadn't won a whole lot of divisions. They hadn't even been good very many years. Purdue's been good for the last two decades, and they haven't done anything. So it's different. It's different when they've actually been good and had expectations yep. for 20 freaking years and haven't done anything. That's the difference. That's all. <laughs> college basketball man purdue specifically honestly purdue being good i think is good for indiana i want indiana basketball to make a resurgence and come back purdue's been doing that in the regular season in the regular season for sure yes. but uh you're right nothing to show for it in march madness so i totally agree with that sell um, folks we're gonna kind of move through we're not gonna do the lockbox this week we're gonna save and we're going to give a lot of picks for the Super Bowl next week on our next episode when we do a lot of review. We're going to do a lot of props. But we did want to give quickly, we want to give you something. We're going to give our game picks. So who are we taking? Are we with the spread or against the spread? Trent, I'll start here. I, and I'm not going to give much explanation because we'll save that for next week. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs at plus two in this game. I also am. Uh, I'll save my rationale because by the way, by the next time we talk, you know, heaven forbid, there might be a big injury in practice this week or something. This line might move dramatically, but um, I'm with you for a lot of the reasons that we said about like in our, in our little Mahomes discussion, I, I, I don't see how the chiefs lose mm -hmm. this game. I can't believe they're underdogs. So that's all more on yeah. that next week. More on that next week, which means you will have to tune in. If you are a chiefs fan and you're listening and you want to hear us talk about your team, tune in next week. Um, let's move into our last time. We're going to close it up here. There's been a lot of emotion in this episode. This, yeah, this is a good episode. You're trying, it's glad to have you back, man. It really is. We're, we're glad you're here. 
Um, it was really fun doing it with Brad. Brad kind of stepped in for Trent last week, but man, Trent, it, it, it's it's glad. I'm, it, something warm inside of my heart happens when you're on the other side of the screen looking at me. So that's awesome. Glad you're here. Hey, let's get into. Shout out. Yeah, go ahead. Brad filling in last week. I just I just want to say that from from me. Shout out to Brad for filling in last week. And by the way, we were texting a little bit before this show. I think it's great when you drive. This is your baby, and I love the fact that you are in the pilot seat, you know, the captain seat, whatever, or the cat bird seat, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But, uh, oh, captain, you know, you're, captain. you're the consistent factor here, but it is good to be back. Yeah. Um, glad to have you, Trent. So, again, uh, tune in because we do this every Friday slash Saturday every single week. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, like, comment, whatever you can. If you're listening on any sort of streaming platform, make sure you follow. Hit the bell. Um, give us a five-star rating. It's much greatly appreciated. We're uh, the only podcast that ever talks about sports. So um, that's something you got to look forward to. And we, we take super <laughs> unbiased takes, obviously, as, as you watch. So without further right. ado, we are going to move into our last segment here reflect and project we're going to give trent a chance to see how many players and or coaches he can name from a specific team and we are sticking with the theme of college basketball here and we are going to move to an era of basketball where trent we were early high school maybe late middle school we're moving to the 2014 2015 season specifically with the UK Kentucky Wildcats men's basketball team. To give a little backstory here, UK is in the SEC SEC conference for college basketball. Notably, this team had is the the team that has gone the furthest undefeated to not win it all. I think their record was 38 and 1 as they got in and they lost in the final. Yeah, or maybe they it was lost the to Wisconsin, four. right? Final four, they lost to Wisconsin. Right, so Frank you, you seem to know you seem to know this already. You seem to get a, have a little idea. So Trent, I'm gonna give you the ball here. Uh no pun intended. And we're gonna see how well you do. I want players and I want coach. So coach was John Calipari. That is correct. Um I remember this final four. I remember this final four very vividly because Michigan State was there as a seven seed. They played Duke, got smacked by Jaleel Okafor and uh, Justice Winslow. And on the other side, of course, was this Kentucky team against Wisconsin. So I don't. I know Devin Booker was on that team because that was all the rage about. You know, we were from Granville, Ethan. Shout out Granville, go dogs! It was all about Shout out Devin Granville, Booker. go dogs. Side but comment on the Granville the dogs here. Side comment on the Granville dogs here. Did you know that John Teske is an assistant coach for the Granville men's basketball team? I did know that because I just learned that today. Friend, That's insane. <laughs> our good friend Brad and my older brother Brock are both involved in the Granville basketball program. So I did know that, but it's it still, when I heard that, I was, was like, what? <laughs> yeah. What Brad is posted, going on? Brad it's posted crazy. a picture today and I was, I texted him immediately and was like, I just saw your post. Are you telling me John Teske sitting on the bench for Grant? What, are, what kind of world is this? But uh, anyways, sidebar. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. So you got John Calipari. You got Devin Booker. I think this was the famous platoon year. 
It was. Devin Booker came off the bench. Um, the Harrison twins were on that team. Harrison twins uh, I don't were remember their first Aaron, names. Aaron and Andrew. Aaron and Andrew Harrison. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was the center because he went number one overall in that draft. He was. Hmm. Hmm. This is where I really I think, I, in I really my know. opinion, I think you should get maybe three more names. Three two, more. I th- okay. I um, think two I could give you hints on, and you would get one. I think he was just like a notable player. He was like the point guard at that time. He was good friends with Devin Booker, had a short stint in the NBA. I think he ended up playing with Devin Booker at one point. Tyler Eulis. Come on. Talk to him. Talk to Tyler him. Tyler He That was – No, I, full transparency, I wouldn't have gotten that unless you gave me that hint. Um, also, That's why we didn't say okay, was Julius, was Julius Randle still on the team? Julius Randle was not on the team. But the two players so that we Laker. are missing – Yep, so the two players that we are missing, though, are bigs. Um, you talked about Carl Anthony Towns being a center. You went first overall. This other center started in the NBA for a little bit. Haven't I, I, He might have went in the same draft or the year after. Haven't heard his name in a minute. And then the other big is 6'10", and I believe he still has a role in the NBA today. Okay. Um it's going to it's going to really tee me off but I don't really think I know either one of those guys. I'll throw another name at you though that I think was on that team and it's a deep cut because <laughs> <laughs> I'm dude, is there an Alex Poitras on that roster? There is. There is an Alex Poitras on this team. I think he was injured. There's like a red so that guy, he might have been out. That guy. So this was this was in the era of like Kentucky did not produce four year players. Like it was churn and burn. Yeah. And, and I have I have a joke with my older brother Brock about how Alex Poitras was on the team for like six years and he was like the odd man out because Kentucky was just a bunch of freshmen and Alex Poitras. Yeah. That's all though. I can't get either one of the other bigs you're alluding to. So hit me. So I'll give you the backup center first. I think this was the center that participated in the platoon with Devin Booker. Known for his defense, we're looking at number 15, Willie Cauley-Stein at seven feet. Oh, dude, yes. He got drafted, yep. I think, number six overall to the Kings. He got drafted yep, high the and then just mm-hmm. didn't really didn't pan out. Who else? Next is a forward listed at 6'10". When he got drafted, known for his two-way abilities is Trey Lyles. Oh, ex-Piston Trey Lyles. <laughs> Yeah, does he? What is he an ex piston? Yeah, he was on the Pistons last year, uh, and I think oh, they ended up trading. Was. They traded him along with Ke- Kelly Olynyk. Maybe I don't really remember. I just know that he was on the Pistons for a hot minute, and he was getting like he was in the rotation. Yeah, and I was he not still happy ha- about. So does he like, still have a role these days, or no? Ah, uh, I would guess. I mean, he was a productive player. Somebody, somebody, check in on Trey Lyles for us. I'm looking them up right now. I'm looking them up right now. Those are the only names I remembered. There's a Dakari Johnson on here. He played at Montverde High School, so he must have been somewhat decent. Um, But I don't recognize any of the other names. So 
But Trent, Trey Lyons I, is I, currently I, on the Sacramento Kings. Uh, all king. right. There you go. He's a king. You got more than I kind of expected. As usual, you get more than I expect. The Alex Poitras play was insane. That was outrageous. But I, I, I agree. I think he's been I think he's been on that team for like a billion years. Maybe. We just we hope he's doing well. We uh we wish for good health for him and his family. And uh Trent, do you have some famous last words for us to close us down? I do. This comes from the rock band Kiss from right. a song off their 1984 album Animalize. It says, quote, feel my heat taking you higher. Burn with me. Heaven's on fire. That's how I felt all lion season. Heaven was on fire. I felt great. I was just in euphoria. By the way, heaven's on fire. Some people might think that's like a negative term. I feel like it, I, I take it as a positive. Like, it's like, let's go. I mean, we're on fire here. We're not cooling off anytime soon. So that's all. I'll leave people I with like that. It. A little lame. I didn't really do a whole lot of prep for the famous last words this week, but I'll do better next week. That's all we got. All right. You have a you have a vow from Trent here. I, I, I like it. I'm not a you you also have this vast music knowledge as well. When you'll pull stuff out like that. I never obviously I know who Kiss is, never listened to their music. But um I thought that was a pretty good line, descriptive of how you felt during the Detroit Lions season. So I'm with it, man. Um but folks, this has been yet another edition of the Double Tech Podcast. We love saying it's going to be below an hour and then going an extra 15 minutes. So if that, <laughs> if uh, if we're known for anything, that might be what we're known for. That's our but brand. Folks, we appreciate you listening. Please like and subscribe. Do what you got to do. Show us some love. Send our link to Bally Sports Detroit so me and Trent can get an opportunity to call a Detroit Pistons game. And uh, folks, we will, in fact, we will see you next week.